Chapter 7 How Reluctant Spouses Cope In this chapter, I will help you understand how your reluctant spouse copes with the current condition of their marriage. As in the previous chapters, I have chosen some of the most frequently asked questions to provide clarity and insight into this area of your spouse's life. At the end of each question, I will also give you very clear and actionable tips that you can incorporate into your situation to assist you in being able to properly help them cope in a healthier fashion. Please note that cold reluctant spouses will cope in different manners as compared to lost reluctant spouses. Question. Women will talk about their issues with friends. Do you feel comfortable talking to your friends? Answer. There's an unspoken rule to manhood that most men follow. The rule states that men don't go to other men for emotional support. I believe that this pattern of coping with our emotions starts early on in our childhood and matures with us into our adult lives. This rule is further exacerbated when there is a lack of a healthy male presence in the home. You mix this with another and probably more popular man rule of men are supposed to be strong, showing emotions make you weak, and you get an adult man with a very low emotional IQ. As a result, most men, including the majority of reluctant husbands, will be extremely uncomfortable about talking to their friends about their issues, let alone receiving comfort from them. Most of us have learned from childhood how to suppress our emotions, hide them, and or release them only through socially acceptable masculine ways, such as an unfounded confidence, aggression, anger, and or hypersexuality. Those become our default coping mechanisms whenever we feel threatened or lost in any area of our lives. For me, that was exactly the case. As a matter of fact, while we were going through our marital discord, I literally talked to none of my friends about what was going on. I distanced myself from my key influencers and kept all of my deep-seated emotions to myself. It would have been wonderful to have an objective party involved during that season. I would have made less mistakes and for sure would not have turned to the comfort of another woman for emotional validation. With her, this other woman, I was able to be who I really wanted others to see me as. I didn't feel that I could be this way with my wife and didn't trust any of my friends to be the objective sounding board that I truly needed. Giving my emotions to another woman was the safest option because she didn't know my history. That made it easy for me to create a new image of myself, the image of a person I really wanted to be. Most likely, your reluctant spouse is feeling the same way. But don't fret. There are things that you can do to help them through this. What you can do to help them. Helping your reluctant spouse to become more comfortable with expressing his emotions would not be as easy as it seems. <laughs> and I'm just going to be real with you, okay? Despite this disclaimer, it's possible. You won't be able to erase years of his most favorite coping style, but you can help him to learn new behaviors. Here's how. First, remember the principle of safety and security. By now, I've harped on this enough, but I must continue to repeat this. The more safe and secure your reluctant spouse feels, the easier it will be for them to feel vulnerable enough to open up around you. You can't force or manipulate them into expressing their true emotions with you. Instead, practice patience and model the behaviors that you want to see out of them. 
Also, understand that their manner of coping may not and most likely won't have anything to do with you. A reluctant husband has learned how to cope a certain way based off of his past. Don't expect him to simply deviate from that just to fix the marriage. Instead, spend a huge portion of your time interceding through prayer on his behalf regarding this specific area of struggle. Lastly, don't try to make him cope in a manner that is comfortable for you. Instead, give him room to fully express himself, acknowledge those emotions, and then try to understand them from his worldview. Enter into his world upon being invited so that you can help him navigate out of it and into a mutually beneficial position. Question. Why did you protect them on a far greater level than you've ever protected me? Answer. This question is intended for all of those reluctant spouses who have committed adultery in any form. This is a rather popular question, so I will make sure to do my best with providing you with as much clarity as possible, especially since I was guilty of this. I'll start by stating this. Your reluctant spouse is not protecting the other person. I know, <laughs> you weren't expecting that. Your reluctant spouse is protecting what the other person means to them. Allow me to explain. For most reluctant spouses who have had an affair, be it emotional, financial, or sexual, it is very rarely about the other person. It is more about them getting certain needs met. For me, it was the need for validation. And remember, that was a struggle that I had wrestled with all of my life. The other person became my safe haven. She became the place for me to be the man that I had always wanted to be, my ideal self. She became the place where I had no flaws, the place where I was perfectly validated. Now, if you think about this correctly, who wouldn't want to protect this person, especially considering the fact that you used to be her? When you and your reluctant spouse first met, that was your role to them. Now, your initial inclination may be to ask, how in the heck do I get that spot back? <laughs> My quick and easy answer to you is this. You don't want that spot back. You don't want to be the person who meets your spouse's needs. Because guess what? The moment you lose the ability to meet their needs or the moment you come up short, because after all, no one is perfect, they will then find something or someone else to meet that need. Rather, you want them to depend on God and God alone for that. What you can do to help them. This notion may seem asinine, but it is very true. I remember the moment that my wife stopped trying to meet my needs. I also remember the moment that she stopped relying on me to meet hers. This is truly the moment that our broken marriage shifted for the better. Here are some steps that you can take to ensure that yours does the same. First, you want to make sure that you aren't relying on your spouse or the marriage to meet any of your unmet needs. We all have needs, but to rely on an imperfect source to get them met will only exacerbate the issue. If your spouse feels that you are in the relationship to get your unmet needs met, they will instinctively feel the pressure to try to meet them. Or, as in the case with most reluctant spouses, they will be faced with the reality that they can't meet them, which only amplifies and in their mind magnifies their own personal inadequacies. Demonstrate what it looks like to go to God to get your voice filled. Model this behavior consistently. Keep the pressure off of your reluctant spouse so that they can't use this as an excuse for why they can't be the spouse that you want them to be. 
Also, remember where they are in their reluctance and understand why they are reluctant in the first place. This information will keep you from being offended at their behaviors. Pray for their voids to be exposed and completely handed over to God. Pray that your reluctant spouse won't rely on people or things to meet those needs, but rather that they will understand their voids, embrace them, and leverage them for something positive instead of seeing them as a handicap. Practice your spiritual authority. You are in this position for a reason, so embrace it. Question. Are you healing okay? Answer. Healing is a relative term when it comes to most reluctant spouses. For the cold reluctant spouse, they will most likely not feel that they need to heal from anything and will most likely see their escape from the marriage as a way to find peace and happiness again. For the lost reluctant spouse, although they secretly know that they need healing, they will most likely not feel safe or secure enough to say that to you. For me, that was the case. Although I knew I needed healing, as long as I used my wife as a target, meaning I blamed her for the reason for my displeasure, I continued to spiral out of control. I was very defensive of my wounds and did not trust anyone with them. For a while, not even God. For me, the process of healing was similar to the process of recommitting to my marriage. It was slow, painful, and uncomfortable. It was packed full of mistakes, relapses, and doubts. Your reluctant spouse will most likely go through a similar journey. Don't take it personal when you see them question their decision to recommit. Expect instead for them to fail at times. See them returning to the relationship as you would see a baby walking for the first time. There will be moments of excitement followed by moments of doubt. Some days they will walk with anticipation, while other days they will opt to go with what they are most familiar with, crawling. If this thought is not stressful enough, also understand that most reluctant spouses won't initiate the healing process on their own. Usually a crisis, something outside of the marriage, has to happen in order to knock them back into alignment with the marriage. For me, it was losing almost everything around me, including my high-paying job. There are certain things that you can do, however, to help your reluctant spouse begin the healing process in a healthy manner. That way, a major crisis doesn't have to happen in order for them to wake up. Yes, especially if they're stubborn like me. What you can do to help them. Understand that for cold reluctant spouses, they may need crisis to knock them back into alignment. See more about this in the cold reluctant chapter. When it comes to helping your lost reluctant spouse, however, you can either be their greatest ally or their greatest deterrent. How you manage your emotions, communicate with them, and nurture the environment of your home will determine the speed and accuracy of their healing. Know that they are paying attention to your actions, listening to what you say, and always counting the cost of reconciliation. During this season, your consistency is key. As I've mentioned a lot throughout this book, you have to model the behaviors that you want to see in your reluctant spouse. You will most likely be the only accurate picture of Christ in your spouse's life at this time. Your ability to properly convey unconditional love is the most important thing right now. In addition to this, make sure that you are openly healing. Make sure that they can see you healing. Don't hide this process from them. 
Take your eyes off of their current condition and make sure that you are focusing on receiving personal healing for yourself. They will be able to tell if you're healing to get them back or truly healing for yourself. Question. How can you justify cheating? Answer. Honestly, (laughs) you can't justify cheating, at least not in the way that will still make infidelity okay. My answer to this question will more so clue you in on what's actually going on in the mind of a reluctant spouse while they're cheating. From my research, about 80%, so 8 out of 10, of reluctant spouses cheat for non-sexual reasons. For them, infidelity is deeper than just having another female to rendezvous with. With that being said, however, there are a small segment of the reluctant spouse population that cheats solely because they want to have their cake and eat it too. I will keep the focus of this answer on the 80% who cheat for non-sexual reasons. For this group, whether they are cold or lost, cheating becomes their primary coping mechanism. Cheating becomes a means to an end for them a way to finally satiate their deep-seated voids. If you recall, we all marry to get our needs met. We choose spouses based on their ability to fill our empty spots, spots that usually come out of past traumas and wounds. Think about it. I'm sure you've been guilty of saying this at some point early on in your relationship. He completes me, or he makes me feel whole. Very rarely... Do we get married to give? Consider this reality. You have an emotionally unintelligent spouse, someone who struggles to properly manage their emotions and who struggles to properly interpret your emotions, who mainly married you because of how you made them feel. Consider that those feelings began to dissipate over time to the point where they felt that you were no longer capable of meeting their needs. Now, instead of being vulnerable, They are emotionally anxious. Now, instead of giving, which they didn't set out to do anyways, they have a strong instinctual need to self-preserve or protect themselves. Part of the self-preservation process entails doing things that produce pleasure and avoiding things that cause pain. With you, he felt like a failure, but with her, he feels like a successful man. With her, his flaws don't exist. With her, he has constant affirmation. She becomes a way to escape the harsh realities of a failed marriage. She becomes his greatest void filler and eventually an object of affection. I know because that was the route that I took, as well as the majority of reluctant spouses I've worked with over the years. What you can do to help them. As dreary as this may appear, there are things that you can do starting today to intercept this process. Understand that if they get too deeply involved in the extramarital relationship, they have a greater risk of developing feelings and eventually loving this person. Time is of the essence. The most important piece of information that you can find out at this point is what void they are attempting to fill. Understanding what you once provided for them but no longer are providing will help you to get closer to the answer. Most of your time should be spent observing and listening. Make sure to stay diligent about hearing from God regarding this area. Make it a habit not to respond to what your reluctant spouse is saying with their mouth, but instead, remember, listen to their heart. If you remain emotionally balanced 
and consistent in your ability to hear from God, you will notice breadcrumbs that your reluctant spouse has left behind. In moments when they are pulling you closer, instead of pushing you away, they will be the most receptive and the most vulnerable with their hearts. Learn to maximize these moments without seeking to get your needs met. Be very intentional about the things that you say as well. Question. Why do husbands block out their wives, whether it be communicating, intimacy, etc.? Answer. If this happens in healthy marriages, how much more does this take place in marriages where the husband is reluctant? As you could have already imagined, the process of blocking out one's wife is a coping method that most men use when they are looking to compartmentalize their emotions. Most men develop this tool as little boys and carry it with them throughout the many stages of their life to keep anger, fear, insecurities, depression, and a host of other emotions from spilling into their present situation, they simply box them up and put them away. Have you ever heard the expression, the brain of a man is like waffles, while the brain of a woman is like spaghetti? Now, as humorous as that may sound, there is a lot of validity to it. We men have sections in our brains, like those of waffles, that are sectioned off from each other. Each section has its own purpose and function. The work section doesn't mingle with the emotion section, and the hobby section stays completely separate from the family section. Now, with women, however, the exact opposite is the case. In their world, everything is interconnected, similar to that of a plate of spaghetti. In her mind, work, spirituality, relationships, and finances are all beautifully woven together into a tapestry that makes perfect sense. When dealing with a reluctant spouse, understand that this reality will be amplified times 10. Not just for him, but for you as well. He will spend much of his time escaping reality and thus will instinctively segment you off from the rest of his world. On the other hand, you will begin to be easily affected by the amplification of the interconnected points of your life. Because your marriage is at stake, that will begin to influence how other areas of your life feel to you. What you can do to help them. Your goal during this season of your marriage is not to teach your husband how to cope as you would cope. Rather, your goal should be to make sure that he doesn't section you off from the many areas of his life. Because he is reluctant, this will be his natural inclination. But there are things that you can do to disrupt this process in a positive and healthy way. First and foremost, never punish him with your emotions. As his mother probably did this, you will automatically find yourself being treated as most teenage boys treated their mothers when she would discipline them. He will push you away and avoid you. Instead, learn to limit the amount of emotional influence that your reluctant spouse has over you during the season of your marriage so that you won't feel compelled to use your emotions to punish him. When he blocks you out, don't fight to get back in and definitely don't show him how much this hurts you. Instead, show that you can be strong and emotionally independent at the same time. Look for opportunities where he has left the door to his heart open. Only enter his heart when invited. Remember the concept of push and pull from chapter one. Once in there, resist the urge to rearrange the furniture. Focus instead on building trust so that he can become comfortable with remaining vulnerable. Question. 
Why can't you express your hurt into words instead of withdrawing from your wife or allowing that hurt to hurt others? Answer. I mentioned a concept in a previous answer that I would like to expound upon as I answer this question. The concept is emotional intelligence and how much men suffer from a low emotional IQ. For men, we carry certain rules about masculinity that were cemented into our worldview when we were boys. These beliefs about emotions, sexuality, relationship roles, and personal responsibilities guide the decisions that we make, the jobs that we take, and the way we approach and interact with our relationships. When we were young, we were told these things. Boys are strong. Boys don't cry. Boys do tough things, not girly things. Boys are brave and can show no fear. Boys are smart and can solve hard problems. Boys are fixers. Boys don't show pain. If you show too much emotion, you're a sissy. Man up. Never back down. Money, muscles, girls, and nice things are status symbols. The more you have, the manlier you are. As you can see by this list, the demonstration of pain, fear, hurt, anxiety, confusion, and any other emotion not associated with anger and aggression or perceived strength is strongly discouraged and in some families prohibited. As a result, most boys develop into men who never had experience properly embracing and expressing those unmanly emotions. This is the definition of having a low emotional IQ. Two things happen when men struggle from having a low emotional IQ. Number one is this. Men with a low emotional IQ will intentionally reject, suppress, ignore, and deny emotions they feel aren't masculine. They will also misinterpret the emotions of others they aren't familiar with. Number two, when it comes to dealing with the emotions of their wife, because they lack the experience to properly recognize and manage their own emotions, they will often withdraw inward as an attempt to not be exposed for their lack of knowledge and to avoid facing their own insecurities. Also, when their wives demonstrate emotions that they are uncomfortable with, they will become overwhelmed and stressed. This will again trigger their desire to withdraw inward or lash out. Remember the concept of fight or flight from your high school psychology class? This is exactly the case. As you can see, Expressing one's hurt in words or in the proper fashion, minus anger and aggression, will almost be impossible for your reluctant husband to do. Not because they don't want to do so, but because they feel as men that they aren't supposed to do so. Doing so will often go against the very fabric of who they see themselves as. If they are to grow in this area, there are very specific things that you can and can't do. What you can do to help them. Contrary to popular belief, men are emotionally fragile creatures. Because they are not in touch with their emotions, they will struggle when it's time for them to actually tap into them. Often, doing so will prove to be too overwhelming and stressful for them. How you position yourself during this season will determine their success rate. I will share with you a few things that you should do and a few things that you must absolutely not do. Let's start with things that you should do. First is this. Create an atmosphere in your home that breeds safety and security for your reluctant spouse. Validate their emotions, even if they are basic and not appropriate for the moment. Affirm their masculinity while at the same time being a supportive ear. Also, 
Pray for clarity and discernment so that you can hear their hearts. Remain consistent in your demonstration of unconditional love. And lastly, remain strategic in your stand. Now let's talk about things you should not do. Don't try to make them emote by you becoming more emotional. Don't minimize their emotions when they do emote. Don't solely focus on your emotions and how they made you feel. Don't enable their unhealthy perception of masculinity by challenging them to grow. Don't lose sight of the reason for your stand. Resist the urge to make it about you. Reluctant spouses and their coping habits. Out of the questions that I received, the six questions included in this chapter provided me with the best opportunity of expressing how reluctant spouses not only cope with their current situations, but with life in general. Your success as a motivated spouse will hinge on your ability to utilize this information to the best of your ability. Use the information in this chapter to help you be prepared for how your reluctant spouse will cope during this season of your marriage. It is my hope that this information will give you an advantage when your spouse withdraws or rejects you. Now that you have a better understanding of your reluctant spouse and their coping habits, let's go to the next chapter where we discuss how you should position yourself when your reluctant spouse decides to return to the marriage.